I'm becoming a tea guy. Me too, yeah. I, I never expected I'd be a tea guy, but coffee just bothers my stomach for some reason. Well, I, it's also because uh, as a – you have been uh, conditioned now. We, we've been inside for so long that it is only November 8th or whatever the day it is, but cabin fever has existed before it got cold. Yeah. And so we're we're ready for tea. Going to be a lot of tea, a lot of reading by the fire. It's going to be it's actually going to be a nice, you know, long depressing happy winter. Yeah, well, I think we've we've had a, a while to get ourselves ready for this. So I I've, I've been getting into vanilla chai. I'm trying a lemon ginger today. We'll we'll see how it mm-hmm. goes. Lemon ginger very good for the esophagus. That's like a good podcasting tea, right? It's That's- good for your vocal cords. I'm like an apple cinnamon guy. If I'm at someone's house and someone's like do you want tea? I always say yes. And then they say, what kind of tea? And I said, the fruitiest thing you got. I want, I want like a peach or a, like a lemon or a raspberry, something. I don't, I'm not interested in like your Earl Grey's or your green teas. That's not up my alley. Yeah. I feel like with, with iced tea, I'm generally more of a fruity kind of guy, mm. but um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta expand my horizons. Cause I'm, this is literally <laughs> just like in the last couple of weeks, I've been starting to drink tea. You so feel so a, adult, right? It's like I do. Drinking tea is like such a, it's like an authoritatively adult act. It's like it really does. Uh, yes, feel like it. tea. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get rolling. You've heard Rex Barney give that fan a contract. Now it's time to give that fan a podcast. Dive into some Orioles baseball talk with your host Ryan Blake. So my guest in episode five, Jake Mintz of Sets with his Family Barbecue. I'm sure you know him unless you're living under a rock. Uh, you're now the host of Baseball Barbecue. Your podcast got picked up by The Ringer. So that's that's been an exciting step for you guys. What's that uh, transition been like? Oh, it's great. It's so nice. Be- so like we did a podcast for four years in college and at no point ever tried to monetize it because we were one, lazy and two in college. Right. And so then we stopped it the podcast for like two or three years when we went to go work at MLB.com and the ringer, you know, came to us and we like, what you do come bring your podcast back. And we're like, okay. So like, you know, we can focus all of our attention on what the shows are and not on like, where, what are the ads going to be? Like, what do we, you know, how's it going to be structured? Like we can just put all of our energy into like what we say, which is great. You know, it's like really lucky and they've given us a lot of creative control. Um, so we've really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Well, I, I had a podcast. Uh, this is almost five years ago now, Backward K, and I had you and Jordan on for an episode. It was my friend Danny and I who did it, and we only got through about twelve episodes. But we had you on the show, and we talked a lot of backyard baseball, two thousand one, a little bit of Ken Griffey Jr. I probably asked you if you think a hot dog's a sandwich. It was that that awkward. It was a time. time. <laughs> it was a time, man. <laughs> so was. I wrote a paper. I it, this is how much of an, an era that was is I was in a, like an argumentation class in college where you had to pick like a topic and write a 10 page paper on it or whatever. And I picked is a hot dog a sandwich. And like, I broke it down. Like I got a B minus, oh, which is what rough. that era was. It really was. If you think about it. Uh, but yeah, so back at baseball, 2001, I mean, it's a game that we all love and, and you and Jordan are a couple guys who have really tried to keep it alive. And you did that at the beginning of quarantine. You guys were streaming on Twitch, like, 
like once a week. You mm-hmm. had some great guests come on the show, and and I tuned in for a few of those, and it was it was a hell of a lot of fun. It, it was great, man. Like it was the highlight of my quarantine. You know, yeah. the world was falling apart, and it was like spending you know half of my waking hours sad and worrying about humanity, and then like at night it was simple. Like I was just able to have a beer and like watch stupid old video games with my friend and giving that type of joy to other people was cool. And I think as like an interview mechanism for people, it works really well because, you know, like you have a player on a lot of players are like kind of reluctant to open up and loosen up. And like, if they're watching like Jocinda Smith, they're like, Holy shit, Jocinda Smith. Right. Right. And like that kind of gets the ball rolling. So yeah, we had a good time with those. And I think, I would say I feel good that we'll do some in the off season as well. That would be awesome. I yeah. I would definitely tune in. I think my favorite one was I think it was Jason Benetti broadcasting. Yeah. Was it a Ricky Johnson home run? Did I get that yes. right? Yes. Dude, that's insane. Absolutely insane. So who's who's your guy? Like so everybody has their their lineup that they they typically go with in backyard baseball. Yeah. Who's the one guy that's not a staple on your team but you love to have as kind of a hmm. eight nine hitter, just someone who you can plug in and play? Hmm. I'll let you think about it. For me, it's I got two guys. So Amir Johnson, when you pair him with his brother, or not Johnson, Amir Khan. Yeah. When you pair him with Ahmed, is yes. an absolute stud. So that's that's one for sure. And then I feel like I've mastered the art of hitting with Mikey Thomas. Yep. A lot of people keep him off the roster because he's slow. So but slow. If, if you can control the you know the angle of his stance, if you can put him at closed on an outside pitch and then open him up when you see something on the inside, I'd say four times out of five he's going to hit that ball over the fence. It's a lot of fun. I think a sleeper, I would go with Luanne Louis. I think really she shrinks, she shrinks the strike zone down, uh, being, you know, two feet tall. And then there is a mode in, if you play the original game, not a one, the original game, if your team wears all pink, all of her stats are boosted to the top. Pro uh, tip. There you go. I think that's the same with Maria Luna in a one. Yes. And she's she's got some pop when you when you when you yes. walk in there. All right, so let's move on a little bit. Uh, the winter meetings were canceled this year. I went my mm-hmm. first time was was last year in San Diego. Saw you and Jordan there. Got to chat with you a little bit. Um, and I'm sure that wasn't your first meeting. So you guys have been been here for a while. Uh, our first, yeah, it was uh, that was our third meeting. Our first was in DC. In 16, we were still in college, and then we went to Orlando, and then we were in San Diego last year as well. Yeah. What what it, what kind of stands out about the winter meetings to you? And I, I talked about this on one of my earlier episodes. It's just even if you're not there to look for a job or to network or whatever it is, just go and sit in the lobby. I mean, shake hands with, with Peter Gammons or Harold Reynolds or Jim Tomey, just yeah. someone walking by. It's just such a cool experience. Well, it's interesting, right? Because – the winter meetings are so funny to me because there's like a level of baseball fan where like you don't care about that and like you don't need to care, right? Like I'm trying to think of like like my my mom and my dad, like they watch a decent amount of baseball, but like they don't really care about like the winter meetings, right? But then like if you are two levels of baseball dork fan above it, it's like the greatest thing in the world, okay. right? And there's it's either like you're in – or you don't get it at all. And obviously, you know, you and I, and obviously Jordan is baseball fanatics. It's like the best because, you know, you're just sitting in the lobby drinking a beer and like, oh, there's Jim Leland, like going for a cigarette with Jeff Passan. And like, oh, cool. Like Adam Jones is here for some reason. Like, yeah. that's sad that 
he's not getting a major league deal, but oh, hey, look, Matt Kemp is here. It's just like, and you don't know who's coming, right? And so that, and then my favorite, I don't know where you were for this, but it is my highlight of the winter meetings every year. The Scott Boris press conference. Yep. Where Scott Boris basically just says, I'm talking. And then like every media member like swarms him. And you never know when it's going to be, what day it's going to be, or where it's going to be in the winter meetings. And it's the busiest moment of the winter meetings. I love it. It is no so doubt. funny to me because it's like you're all getting the same quote. Yeah. Like you just – it's fine. Like you can go – like someone someone else will grab it. It's cool. Like you're not right. getting a scoop here. Yeah. No, I, I missed out on it this year unfortunately. But uh, you you always see the pictures on Twitter and it's just a, an insane oh. crowd. It's like – You, you can't even see the, him. You think the Pope is there. It's insane. Right. Oh man! I mean, he did. He did pull off last year at the winter meetings. He right. It was back to back to back days of the Strasburg deal, the Rendon deal, and the Cole deal. Right. Which is like that's look, the trifecta right there for it, him. I think there's something weird about being like sick move by the agent. Like I think like getting hyped about agents doing well is like kind of an odd thing to cheer for. However, that's a pretty badass back to back to back day. It is. I was actually I was in the background of uh, when John Heyman went on MLB Network to report the Rendon deal. I, it had just gone down. I was chilling in the lobby. I don't remember why I was there, who I was waiting for, but I called my buddy who was back in the hotel room. I was like, "Yo, turn on MLB Network. I'm standing right behind John Heyman." That was that was pretty cool. Um, so I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of transitions in my my podcast. It's just kind of like, care. dude, let's it's talk like, about this and let's talk about this. You know, look, I'm I'm again, I'm not picky. Like uh, whatever, it's fine. Dude, I've, me, dude. I've been I've been out of the game for so long. It's like I said, it was 2016 that I did the backward K, um, and I'm I'm just kind of getting back into this. But it, dude, it's fun, and you're you're always a great interview. Um, so let's talk a little bit about minor league baseball. You and I don't know if it was you or Jordan on on the Twitter just now, but that was all Jordan. Talk, but yeah, anything he says, I say. So yeah, I mean, we got the news yesterday. This will be posted in a few days, but we got the news mm-hmm. on Sunday about the Staten Island Yankees and the Trenton Thunder no longer being affiliates of the Yankees. And those are two that even I think the casual baseball fan kind of knows that, that they're a big deal. Um, and it's, it's really sad to see what's going on across minor league baseball. And, and like Jordan said on Twitter, this is just the start of what's going to be a, a really sad off season. If you really think about it, just in the sense that, you know, a bunch of teams are going to be dissolving towns that thrive on minor league baseball are just going to completely lose that. And it's, it's really sad to see, but I wanted to ask what minor league baseball means to you I know you guys have done a lot with with prospects in the past. You guys covered the Futures game one year, which was a lot of fun. Uh, I remember the video of you guys telling Gavin Lux to go upper tank, and then he did in batting practice. Yeah, which was sick. But but what does what does the minors mean to you as a as a baseball fan and as someone who works in the game? So like I, for me personally, for like our personal journey is you know being people who talk about baseball for a living. It's it, it's it's the whole thing. Like it is why I am you know, good enough at what I do to do it because I got an opportunity to do it at the minor league level. And, you know, it's simple. It's, it's similar to a player, right? Like you develop your skills at the minors because there's more opportunity there. Like when Jordan and I were 17, we weren't getting into Nats park or Camden yards. Like that wasn't happening for us. Right. Cause we're chumps. And like, at that point, like we weren't good at what we did. Right. Like we didn't know what the hell we were doing, but like minor league teams won any kind of pub and, they're welcoming and they don't have a stick up their ass like a lot of major league PR departments, media relations people do necessarily, right? And so it's like right. if you work for the Hagerstown Suns or you work for the Frederick Keys, like you want to be as welcoming as possible because 
you know, like the Orioles national, any major league team can afford to go tell someone to fuck off. Right. Right. Minor league teams can't really do that in the same kind of way. So it's like, there's an open door there for anybody who, you know, has the ability, privilege, opportunity to go and take it. And like, we were fortunate enough to, to do that. And like, if you want to start writing about baseball, I would say, especially for interviews, that's where it starts. Minor leagues. You're going to get the access. You're going to get interactions. You know, like we've built up a relationship with like Lucas Giolito and Reese Hoskins over the years because we went to minor league games where they were playing and introduced ourselves to them and interviewed them in the dugouts. Right. And like, yeah. that's how it starts. That That's how you develop as a commentator, as an analyst, as a person. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's for me personally. And then like, on the community level, it's the, it sucks because, you know, to me, in my opinion, baseball will succeed at its most when it is everywhere. And it doesn't necessarily to be like outstanding baseball on the field, but like the experience of it, you want that baseball to be as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. And just reducing the number of locations where you can watch a baseball game affordably in exchange for streamlining individual teams' developmental budgets um, is a bad trade. That's just a bad swap. Yeah. Um, and it is a short-term game for these individual um, organizations. And, like, I'll say this about the organizations, right? Like, if I'm the Yankees and I think I can develop players just as good in four affiliates as I could in six – I understand how the Yankees, at least on a business level, make that decision, right? It's a ruthless, shitty one that, like, they make. Right. But it is one that is rational if they believe they can do that, right? Mm-hmm. And the question then becomes, like, what's better for the sport? Is it the Yankees being able to, you know, save a couple bucks by not having to send people to rookie ball? Or is it having a baseball team exist in Staten Island, exist in Pulaski, um, exist in, you know, places all across the country. So it, this is, this is the tip of a shit berg. Uh, it is going to get much, much, much worse. And I don't think anybody really knows what the hell is going to happen. Yeah. But you bring up a good point in that, you know, it could, obviously the, the community aspect of it really does suck. But from a business side of it, you know, you brought up a point that I haven't seen many people vocalize. And that is that, it could end up making the the final product on the field better for baseball. If you think you can narrow down the talent to you know a couple less affiliates and put a better product out on the field, and then focus your development on a smaller group of guys, you know obviously it it, it kind of hurts the you know there's not going to be as many guys who get that opportunity. Right. But it might make you know yeah the process maybe. better for those who get the chance. I don't think anybody who shows up. Maybe I'm not giving fans enough credit, but like, I think very few people who show up to like a Bowie Bay Sox game, like now and say in two years, if they survive and they're the double A team, like, I don't think you can notice the quality difference on the field. Does that make sense? Like, right. I think that is minuscule and is the kind of thing that like you only notice if you're a scout or you watch an unhealthy amount of baseball. I think that like for 90% of people showing up to Bowie Bay Sox games, it's not about who's on the field. Right. Right. And yeah, I agree with that completely. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, and it, it's like, 
that's just anecdotal of just going to minor league games, that number, right? Maybe I'm pulling it out of my ass. Um, but there is, there is a financial component of being affiliated with the team, right? And like some of these with a professional team, like some of these minor league teams are going to become independent ball teams. Um, and some of them will survive being able to do that. And some of them won't. Um, and the ones that don't won't be able to survive without the, like, okay, Bowie and Frederick are great examples, right? Like, yeah. it's more than any other minor league organization. You go to an Orioles minor league game and you know you're at an Orioles minor league game, right? Like, it's all exactly. the stadiums are Orioles E, like, there's orange, but all the teams are black and orange, yeah. right? Like, all the stadiums weirdly kind of look similar too, like Delmarva, Bowie, and Frederick. They really you do. Just, you could just copy paste like a lot of it and it <laughs> would look the same. Just change the advertisements on the outfield wall. Exactly, right. It just change the advertisements on the outfield wall. And like there is something that is cool if you live in Salisbury, Maryland, and like it's a two and a half hour drive to go to Camden Yards and it's pretty expensive and you have to stay over and you have to buy tickets. You can just go like watch 73% of the Orioles of that same experience down the street, right? And it feels like it's the Orioles, right? Which is cool for people. It's that's like really meaningful. And I, I think that's what you're losing, right? right? It's not the people who live in Salisbury being like, oh, I don't get to watch Johnny Riser, right? Like, I don't get to see Grayson Rodriguez. Grayson Rodriguez, maybe. But, like, I don't get to see Toby Welk, you know? Like, right. that's not it. It's not about that, right? It's about the vibe of maybe one day one of these guys will be on the Orioles, right? Exactly. And it's a point I'm going to hammer home on this podcast. I talked about it last week with Jason Loganfora, and I, I've talked about it a couple other times, and I'm going to keep talking about it because we as Orioles fans are so lucky to have all of our affiliates really right in our backyard. Oh, my God, yeah. And it's – it's. I mean – and I understand if you want to complain about the cost of going to an Orioles game. I mean, Major League Baseball, the tickets are more expensive. The fanfare is more expensive. The food and drinks are more expensive. you got to pay for parking, all that stuff. I understand that. But if you're if you can't make it to a baseball game, a major league baseball game, we've got Bowie, you know, 30 minutes south. We've got Frederick, 45 minutes northwest. We've got Delmarva yeah. a couple hours down the road. We've got Aberdeen right up at where Cal Ripken grew up in Havre de Grace. I mean, my my first interview was Cedric Mullins when he was with Aberdeen. I ran into you at a at a Shorebirds game a couple years ago. Yeah. And it's just there, there's so much fun about you know all the affiliates being so yes. nearby and the opportunity to see these these players come up through the system. Yes. Two, two other points. One is like, okay, when I ran into you, you, where were you sitting? Do you remember you, where you were sitting? Literally like the front three row. rows behind home plate. Yeah. You yeah. can't do that at Camden Yards. Like no. I, I will not do that. You probably will not ever do that at a major league game. Like that's, you know, fucking expensive. Those tickets are even exactly. when the Orioles are winning 20 games a year. Like it doesn't matter. Like that's yeah. just not happening for 99% of people. Right. And so like, right. but going and sitting behind home plate at like Bowie is super cool. Right. And yeah. is so worth it. The other point I'll make is that of every single team, I would say Orioles fans and the Orioles affiliates are actually going to, depending on how it shakes out and what teams stay and what teams don't, if they keep like Delmarva and Aberdeen, that basically still means that most Orioles fans are within an hour and a half of baseball, of minor league baseball at any point. Yeah. Basically, right? Just because of how close it is. Like, I again, I could be wrong, and like, I should maybe look at Google Maps. But, <laughs> or the Orioles affiliates are so uniquely close. The only comparisons to it in baseball are Cleveland, 
um, which has a lot of their affiliates in Ohio, except yeah. their, I think their high A is in uh, Carolina now. Yeah, which even that's like, you know, eight, right. nine hour drive. And if you're a White Sox fan in North Carolina, it's great because three <laughs> of the White Sox affiliates are right next <laughs> to each other. Nowhere near Chicago. But, yeah. you know, again, none of these organizations, the minor league teams deserve to like die and deserve to be cast away. But like, I am hopeful and relatively optimistic way more than the 29 other teams that if you were an Orioles fan and you want to go watch good Orioles minor league baseball, you will be able to do that. Not as easy as it was before. And it's still a problem, but like that proximity is like a bit of a buffer. Yeah. Right. Whereas if you're uh like I, I really haven't even looked at the list of what teams are killing, but like, okay. If, if they're killing like the Midland rock hounds in West Texas, Right, and you live in Midland like that, you're fucked. That's it. Yeah. Sorry, that's it. You're not. You're not. There's <laughs> nowhere else nearby. Exactly. Right. That's it. Just watch on TV and watch Texas Tech or whatever. Like you're done. Yeah. 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 It's 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 going to be a mess this off season, and yeah. and hopefully, you know, like you said, we're lucky to be able to keep most of our teams, you know, surrounding Camden Yards pretty close, which is which is exciting. And now's the time to do it with the state of the Major League Orioles not being, you know, where fans want to see them just yet. Go see some minor league games. I mean, we don't know what the fan experience is going yeah. to be like in 2021. Hopefully, COVID has settled down by then, and and we're able to return yeah. to a little bit of a normal, normal atmosphere. But now's the time to do it. Go see some minor league ball. Go see some prospects coming up. You can see Adley Rutschman probably at Bowie next year. You can see, you know, Johnny Riser at, at in in Salisbury. I mean, there's a prime opportunity for us to see the talent that's sitting right in our backyard, and it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to talk about some of those Orioles prospects here soon. We'll kind of get into the meat and potatoes of, of this episode. We're going to drop our, our top 20 Orioles prospect names, not based on talent, just about names. It's going to be a lot of fun, but, uh, the Dominican winter league starts next week and you had an opportunity to go down and watch a lot of the action, uh, last winter. Um, the only taste of Dominican ball that I've really felt was I went to Miami for the USA Dominican Republic game in the World Baseball Classic 2017 when Nelson Cruz took Andrew Miller deep for a three-run homer. Stadium erupted, just an incredible atmosphere. What was that whole experience like for you, and how does how does that compare to baseball in the States? It's night and day, man. It is the, it is the best. Like, I – there's just a level of joy to it, I think, that is unlike anything I've ever really gotten to see here. Um, because if you're – if you live in the Dominican Republic, like, and you're a baseball fan, which a lot of people are who live there, that's their baseball. If they want to go watch a game, right? And that's like their big sport, obviously. But, you know, they have basketball and they're really, really good at women's volleyball there. But like, that league is basically it, right? And so like, if you're a fan of any sport here, like, you can always like turn on a basketball game or like watch MLS or whatever. Like there, if you want to watch like local, good sports it's that league right and there's only six teams right so everyone cares everyone is in on it you walk around the city uber drivers have a team flag like you'll see people it's like you're you know when like the orioles are good and everyone's wearing orioles shit all the time in public it's like that all the time but for different teams is how i would describe it just like being there and then the game atmosphere is like always incredible. Like, you know, there's, it's just, it, it's more fun. Like it's just more fun. And yeah. they're, the cheering's louder and the noise is crazy. And part of what's really interesting from, you know, following the league and 
is it's only 50 game season, regular season. And this year it's even more condensed because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And what that does is that every game is like a series, right? So like mathematically. So if they, we play 160 over here, they play 50. Each game is essentially like a little less than like a series set. So like right. every time a team wins a game, it's like you swept. And every time a team loses a game, it's like you got swept. And so the ups and downs of the season are so much more roller coastery. Mm -hmm. Man, that's so much fun. It's that's on my bucket list for sure. If it wasn't for COVID, I I was hoping to go right. down there this winter. But it just seems like an awesome experience, and we see a lot of those player personalities carry over into to baseball here, and it's it's just awesome, man. It's so cool to see that personality come through, and you know we see the bat flips, and we see the yeah. you know. Oh, it's just, it's awesome. I, I love baseball. I, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I'm just so <laughs> giddy talking about it. Um, so we're going to get into the, uh, the prospects here in a second, but let's go ahead and just jump and talk about some, some Orioles memories. Um, you know, you, yeah. you and I are both kind of baseball nuts. Orioles nuts always have been. You got your throwback. Is that the 96 wild card game? 96 wild card game. I remember I was one. I remember it like I was, uh, <laughs> it was yesterday. Oh man! So what? What was some, what was your first Orioles? Like, do you remember the first game you went to? Okay, so I was born the day Ripken tied Gehrig in '95. So literally nine five nine five was the day I was born. My grandma left my mom while she was in labor with me and went to the game because she's from Baltimore. It was like I got tickets and I already have grandchildren. Like, sorry, I, I do remember that story. It's fantastic. You know, that's that's like my Orioles origin story, and like I'm, you know, that was it. Like I'm, I'm stuck for life. But exactly. I obviously don't remember that. There is a picture of like me newborn next to the TV in the hospital room with Cal mm -hmm. running around in the next, the following day on September 6th. Yeah. I obviously don't remember that. Supposedly my dad has video of me. Uh, I was eight months old laying on the living room floor right. in a diaper watching that footage as well. So I've yet to <laughs> see that footage, but I need to find it. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so, I mean, my first memory, I would say the first memory that like, Right, because there are memories that we think we remember, but we actually didn't see it. We just like convince ourselves that we did. Yeah, because you see right? it so many times. You see it so many times. The first thing I know for sure that I watched live was the Cal home run in the All Star game in two thousand one at Safeco. Mm -hmm. That like I remember it vividly. And you know, when I was a kid, like I used to make let my mom. My mom would let me watch Cal hit the first time through the order, and then I would go to bed. That was like yeah. the rule, right? But the first, so the first thing I remember vividly was the Cal home run in a one. Yeah. My, my first game I went to was a, a shellacking. We lost to the Oakland Athletics 15 to nothing at Camden Yards. Eric Chavez had a grand slam and a three run homer. Wasn't even close, but that was the first, the first game I actually remember going to. I, for some reason, I don't remember actually watching the Cal home run in the all-star game. I, I feel like I can kind of picture it, but it's, it's not as vivid as you described, but. You know, over the years, those those memories keep piling up. So, what See, are some of the games in in recent years that really stuck out to you? Games in recent years that stick out to me. So, and what I have mean, you been in attendance for? I know you you guys were living up in New York for a while, but yeah, games I've been in attendance for that stick out for me. The first one I think was 2012. They were playing the A's, and I think this was before we started the. Cespedes family barbecue, but this was Cespedes' rookie year. He was like a month and a half into it. Yeah. And I remember I went with my grandfather, who was, you know, a huge Orioles fan. This is, I think, the last game he went to. He passed away like a couple years ago, but that was the last game he went to. I remember going with him and they went down. It was Cologne, 
started for the A's and like, you know, I don't remember remember who started for the It might have been Tillman. And the Orioles were down 2 of the whole game and they scored five in the ninth, including a three-run homer from Wilson Bedemit. And I remember that super vividly. (laughs) And I saw it because it was the first time I saw Ioannis play. Yeah, It was the last game I went to with my grandfather and Bartolo pitched for the A's, right? So it was just like all these little things. I remember that I was at the Henry Yerudia walk-off against the Mets. Do you remember that? I was there as well. That was a lot of fun. Yep. That was a great one. Uh, my dad's from New York. He's a Mets fan. And so my Ooh. mom's from Baltimore. She's an Orioles fan. So we, the whole family, like split the jerseys. And uh, Henry Rudia hit the walk off homer. Henry Rudia is in the background of the video of Yoannis roosting the pig. If you watch it, really? Again, that's Yoannis's. We've learned all this, you know, after the fact, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It's Yoannis's birthday party. So that video is from his birthday party. And Henry, Henry Rudia, who's Cuban as well, they were buddies and Yerudi was just at his birthday party. And in the background, if you watch it, there's a guy in the blue shirt is like kind of waving in the background. That's Henry Yerudi. So no boom, shit. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh uh, man. I have a Henry Yerudi story myself. I was a, <laughs> I was a bat boy with the Bay Sox in 2016 and Yerudi was down there on a rehab assignment. And, uh, part of the responsibilities of bat boy was to help shag fly balls during BP. And I was out there in, in right field and he was trying to get some work in. And I don't know what, uh, what came over me, but, a fly ball was hit like kind of right at me and he, he came running over to, you know, make the play on it. And I called him off. <laughs> and then the other, the other bad boy looked at me. He's like, dude, you cannot do that. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't know why. Oh, that was uh, not that, my finest moment. That's why I didn't make it. Yeah, exactly. That's why Henry really didn't I, make it. I threw him off his groove. Um, okay. And then the other two I was at, I was at, uh, game one, 2012. Of the series. I was obviously not in Texas. There are very few of us in Texas, but like right. I was at the game. It was a two and a half hour rain delay. Yep. And I stayed, I went with my mom and we stayed the whole rain delay and the game was close the whole time. It was like tied going into the ninth. And I think Nick Swisher or I think it was Nick Swisher hit a homer in the ninth inning to give the Yankees the leading game one. Um, or maybe it was Cervelli. I, it might I have think been it was Cervelli. Russell Martin. Russell Martin. It was it was yeah. Russell Martin. It was a hundred percent Russell Martin. Yes. Yeah. And they won. Uh, the Yankees won. And then the last one I was at was well, I've been at some really t- great regular season games and some really <laughs> brutal postseason games. I was at <laughs> yeah. uh, ALCS game four in Kansas City. Oh, that's rough. So I was I went to college in St. Louis and I took the overnight bus. Yeah. To, to uh, Kansas City to watch the game and like slept in a Starbucks. Oh man! Like over, like I basically got to Kansas City at, like 5 a.m. Slept in a Starbucks, like while like got myself in the stadium somehow, and then watched like the most tepid offensive performance in baseball history, where they like managed one run against the ghost of Jeremy Guthrie, and he wore like the, these O's ain't loyal shirt, and it yep. was so stupid. Uh-huh. Uh, but I was at that game too. So those are the those are like the four that really stand out for me. Yeah, I was. Um delivering pizza dough to a Domino's somewhere in New Jersey uh, when during game four. And uh, yeah. we, we, my friend and I, it was actually Danny who I did the podcast with. We worked yeah. for the same courier company and we made the, the trip up together. And um, right before we got out of the car to make the delivery was when the final out was recorded. So me and Danny are like, oh. you know, walking these trays of dough in and we're like all sad. <laughs> and these guys are like, what, what's, what's going on? We're like, Orioles just got knocked out of the playoffs. And they're like, oh, that was, that was so, okay, a couple, I mean, like, you know, if you're building, if you're building like, the Orioles memory bank of the last, the good Orioles teams, like in that, basically it starts with the Robert Andino single, 
and it ends probably ends for all intents and purposes ends with the walk off against the blue days. Yeah. Yeah. Like 2017, they were trying to win kind of in 2018. They were supposed to be good, but like for, as far as I care, like memorable things, you could argue that the, the next bookend is like Adam Jones last game, but, or the Machado trade. Like those are the two other things you could argue at the back end, but yeah, the Andino single to the buck leaving Britain in the bullpen. In terms of success, that was the, those are the bookends for sure. In terms of success, like what stands out to me is, right, the wild card win, the fucking Ichiro slide, the, <laughs> the oh, Bonyas game, Nate McLeod hitting the pole. Yep. Um, and like, I remember where I was for all these, like, I'm, well, I guess my question is for you, like, do you, which of those moments I would also, and then I guess in 16, it's the dumb and double, um, the weird Nelson Cruz homer down the right field line of yep. David Price. Mm-hmm. Um, game two. Of the of the CS was the worst one where the Royals like you know we should have won that game we didn't they just bebbed us um, to death and then the walk off against the Blue Jays I'm just curious like where you were like which of those do you remember exactly where you were when they happened all right so we'll start at the beginning I was at the Andino game uh, okay that you was, were I was Love that yeah we were sitting undercover um, we were bro we were, like you know bit. like you know like how people like like when uh, the U S beat the Soviets in 1980 and like there it was a 9000 seat stadium but 25000 people claim they were there oh yeah that's like the robert andino game like <laughs> i i i there must have been i mean you can attest to this like at the end yeah. after the rain delay there was what like 40 people there and i bet you that like 20000 people were like oh yeah i was at that game like don't worry about it yeah it was there were not a lot left and i i remember being there with it was my dad my cousin tim and my sister lauren who never went to orioles games we just happened to have a fourth ticket um and during that rain delay, we were watching the out-of-town scoreboard, you know, the the Rays coming back against the Yankees. And Tim, my cousin, was following the the game on his phone, and he got the update that Dan Johnson hit the game-tying homer before the scoreboard reflected that. So he stood up, and we were surrounded by Red Sox fans. And he stood yeah. up and goes, you all don't know it yet, but it's 7-7. to They just tied it. And then like 30 seconds later, the scoreboard changes, and it was just a big groan around us. And, oh, man, we had the time of our lives at that game. And then the walk-off so happened, good. and we see Longoria on the Jumbotron hit his walk-off and just sad Red Sox fans everywhere. Just really fun to see. Uh, so I was there for that. 2012, I was on the Tarp crew. So I was at most of the games in that season. Um, I don't remember 2013 much aside from Davis hitting a million home runs. Um, 2014, I was at the Delman double game. I was at Clinchmas. I don't know how I ended up at all these games, but I was there when we clinched. I was there when Delman hit the double. I was sitting wow. top row of the upper deck looking straight down the third baseline, and you could feel the stadium shaking. It was just absolutely incredible. Um, I was there for one of the Royals games. I don't remember which one, but it was – Those mean, are so forgettable. Both. They really are. I just It's weird. Like, It's so weird how 2014 feels because it's like – we were. Be- I still believe we're better than Kansas City, but like – yeah. The first round was just so not a question at any point. Like it was, like it was weird. It was like, oh, they won all three. That was easy. And then it, like, in retrospect, like the ALCS emotionally, like it never happened. Like, it, it, like it's like we won the ALDS and then the playoffs were over. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's that's so the last weird. Memory. And the, yeah. the you mentioned the Nelson Cruz weird pop up home run down the right field line. Yeah. Right. That's the last game. It's the last playoff game the Orioles won, and that was six years yeah. ago now. It's it's crazy to think about, but um, 2012. I mean, I remember watching Raul Ibanez take Jim Ugh. Johnson and Brian Mattis deep. I was sitting at home. 
I watched that whole series from home. Uh, the road games, at least. I watched that on the toilet. I watched that on the toilet. <laughs> like the Rula Banyas one. Like I went oh, to the bathroom man. for the Homer. Like That's I was, fitting. Jordan was at my house and like I was, I was like, I was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Like just let me know what a real Rula Banyas does. And Jordan's like, you're going to want to see this. Yeah. Was that for the, the game tire or the walk off? The walk off. I was on the toilet for the walk off. Oh man. That's, that's very fitting. <laughs> um, and then let's see. So 2016, uh, I watched that wild card game at Dempsey's in the warehouse. Oh wow. Friends. And, uh, Edwin hit the walk off. I killed the rest of my beer and didn't say a word the rest of the night. Yeah, we you can't. On, we got on the light rail, went home. I did not say a single word. I remember it was, uh, it was Rosh Hashanah and I flew home to do Jewish holidays with my family in Baltimore. And so I was like with my grandma. And my mom, we watched three of us watch it together, like oh. three three generations of Orioles fandom getting their so hearts broken on a crunchy. Jewish high holiday. It was like, oh, okay, great. That's rough, man. That's brutal. All right, let's go ahead and uh, and jump to the the fun of of, of what we're doing here, and that is we're gonna rank our top twenty Orioles prospects based solely on their names. And uh, I'm gonna let you go ahead go go first. If you got any honorable mentions, you can throw them in there, but. Go ahead and start with 20 and bring me up to 11, and then we'll go from yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just got 20 names, and I'll just run through them. At uh, 20, I've got Christopher Cespedes, which is a homer pick, but I had to throw him in at the back. 19, I've got T.T. Bowens. I love uh, any abbreviation, uh, two letters for the first name that you don't see often. You know, we got a lot of JPs, a lot of PJs, a lot of DJs, a lot of JJs, a lot of whatevers. You bring two letters to the table that I haven't seen in a long time, you're going to make a list, all right? That's a strong uh, Zach Muckenhern, you know, Mr. Muckenhern. It's just, it just sounds nice. Muckenhern. I just like the way <laughs> it sounds. Uh, I've got no birth Romero. Just, you know, we've got childbirth. There's natural birth, water birth, and no birth. Uh, Anthony Servideo. <laughs> Radio killed the Servideo star. We've got him. I've got Arison Placencia. Speaking of birth, Mr. Placencia, uh, has arrived. <laughs> oh, <We've> got, no. <laughs> uh, I've got, uh, young Carlos, uh, Leras. Yeras, it's probably Yeras. It's probably that's two L's. So I think so. I just like Jan Carlos. Uh, they have John Carlo, and we have Jan Carlos. Um, Davy Ramirez. I I think Davy is great. Again, the Yankees have Davy. Uh, we have Davy. Uh, then I have Reed Love. I because you know I like books, and uh, I'm sure he does too. So you yeah, know. there you go. But it's nothing like sitting around with a hot cup of tea, cold weather, a blanket, and just just read love. Uh, and then Wilbus Santiago. I think Wilbus is just, is a great name. So that is a go. great one. So I, I will say our, uh, our lists are wildly different. I feel like you went more with the, the Hispanic players that have fun names and that's a, that's a yes. strong way to go. Um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and start with, so I had two honorable mentions. So, one wait, of which, so I, I went more with names that I think like roll off the tongue really well, I think. Yeah. Right. Like no birth Romero. You, did you go more of like the, you're in the SEC from Texas, and like your first and last name is both Tucker. Kind of, yeah. I just, I don't know. I went okay. with, I went with, I just feel like strong, strong baseball names that have. Oh, so you, you went know, with like a little bit of um, baseball name. Okay, yeah, kind of. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, that's cool. All right, so I have two honorable mentions. One of which uh, you mentioned to me before we started, and I'm, I'm gonna butcher this name. Jerujanon Isenia. Yeah, we're gonna get to him. Get that. We'll get to him on your list, I'm sure. And then my other honorable mention, uh, Isaac Bellany. And he's an honorable mention because I really wish it was pronounced Bologna. Mm-hmm. He'd be a surefire top five pick. But uh, Isaac Bellany gets an honorable mention. So we're going to start with number 20. 
Uh, I went with Ryan Ripken because I feel like, you know, it, it fits the Orioles mold pretty well. Bro, he's still there. It's he's crazy. Still... Have you have you seen him play? It looks nothing like Hurricane. No, he's he's a lefty with like an awkward. It's it's weird. Like I I don't like his swing at all. But he like he can hit all right. It's a weird. It's it's just so weird to me that he's still around. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so all right, number nineteen, uh, Miguel Tejada. Wait, sorry, I, I, I saw Miguel Tejada. <laughs> Is he related? No. I don't know. Might be a but nephew. Miguel Tejada's kid also just signed somewhere, which is why it's confusing. But my yeah. favorite, the funny Ryan Ripken thing, right, is like the Blue Jays have all these incredible children of like Hall of Fame level players or whatever, right? And like right. we have mediocre double A Ripken. Exactly. <laughs> they have Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Craig Biggio's kid. And yeah, we have yeah. like, yeah, he's got a decent bat for a first base only guy in double A. It's like, oh, okay, cool. We're trying to catch up though. Just traded for AJ Graffinino, Tony's kid. So AJ Graffinino and um, uh, Nevin. Yeah, exactly. So we're we're go. trying to get the the legacy going there. Um, all right. So Ripken Tahada, uh, number eighteen. I have Lamar Sparks, and uh, I don't know if that's, that's my my Baltimore Ravens fan coming out, but a little shout out to Lamar Jackson and a guy like Lamar Sparks. You expect to have eighty grade speed. He's got twenty five steals in seventy eight professional games. Love Sparks. Oh, Sparks that, is that if your last name is Sparks. I mean, you have to run. Oh, yeah. Uh, number 17, uh, Jay Fla. I wish it was Jay Flay. But, oh, we'll, uh, get to, we'll get to Jay Fla. <laughs> Jay Fla's a strong one. Uh, 16, I have Blaine Knight. I feel like that's just a really powerful, like any sport, any athlete. Mm. Blaine Knight, I think, is, is a very strong name. Uh, 15, I've got Easton Lucas. Easton Baseball Company, of course. Yeah. 14, uh, Johnny Reiser, who you, you name-dropped earlier in the show. Uh, I think that's a good name, and he gets bonus points for homering off of Noah Syndergaard in his first week as a professional. Yes, Syndergaard yes, was yes. Uh, uh, rehabbing with the Mets. Number thirteen, uh, David LeBron. I feel like you have a last name like LeBron. There's going to be high expectations well, there. There's David LeBron and Jake Zabron. Isn't there a Zabron? There, there is. Yeah, do I you have about, him on your list? I, you know, I thought about it, but I, I left him off. Okay, so you I, put LeBron on, but you didn't put like off-brand Zebron. Well, I I guess I should have. Zebron okay. will be my th- he'll be my thirteen B to thirteen B. David LeBron and Zebron. Okay, great. All right, uh, number twelve, Zach Pop. If you're a yep, pitcher, great. You gotta have some pop. Uh, and, and my number eleven, uh, Gray Fenter. I think he pitched the game that that we hung out at at Delmarva. Yes. I think he. I don't know if he was a starter, but I know he got a couple innings that game. And uh, I I thought Gray would be short for Grayson, but it's not. It's just Gray, which I think is a great is it name. G-R- it's G-R-E-Y. A-Y. It's A-Y. Okay. I, I, unless, I, unless I copied it down wrong. Because it's crazy to me that we just have two options to spell Gray. Yeah. That, that, like, and which right? one, I, mean, I don't I know, know the which Brits, right. The Brits which, use the E, and we tend to, as Americans, use the A. But I like yeah. the E more. But Gray Fenter is G-R-A-Y Fenter? Yeah. Yeah, I f- I feel okay. like it's it's weird. I feel like if I'm talking about like gray skies, I spell it with an e. But if if I'm saying like you know just the color gray, I spell yeah. it with an a. So I don't know. It's weird. I don't know which one's right. Gray. It's not Grayson. It's just gray. It's, it's just, just gray. Dude, that's kind of a sad. Like, what is inspiring you to name your kid after the saddest color? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But is I it think- gloomy <laughs> on uh? January twenty fifth, nineteen ninety six. It must have been. Gray became Fenter. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So that's that's eleven. So I'll I'll let you go ahead and uh, and take over and give maybe ten to six. Yeah. Uh, Taryn Vavra. 
Um, Vavre. It reminds me of Favre. Brent Favre. And, and now Taryn. Shout out, I was going to say shout out to Alex Trebek and Genre. Genre. We've all seen Taren, that video. Hell yeah. Taryn Vavre. <laughs> and Taryn. I mean, I don't know any other Terrans. Um, Not me neither. Maverick Hanley. It's one thing to have a nickname, Maverick. But naming your child Maverick shows a level of parenting. I don't know if it's good parenting or bad parenting, but it's parenting. Uh, it's a certain style that probably leads to a certain type of dude. Maverick Dane Handley. Just like, that's a catcher. God damn it. Absolutely. Um, who where'd my list go? Here we go. Um, Griffin McLarty. I love uh, an, an Irish Mick that precedes uh, an, an obscure second half of the Mick. <laughs> so, like, you know, we got McDonald's and McCarthy's up the Waz, but, like, anything that's not that, I'm in. And Lardy yeah. is great. So Griffin McLardy get, gets on my list. He's, he's one that just missed my list, but I'm, I'm glad you put him on. But, I, but we've got some good variety here. I like this. Uh, Diogenes Almengo, it could be Diogenes, it could be Diogenes, I don't, I'm, again, I'm so fucking gringo. I'm it's a sorry. good name either way. It's great. Almengo's great. And then at six, I got Willie on. Um, okay. Because it's Billion. His name is Billion. Wait, really? No, it's not, but it's oh. Bill <laughs> Yan. Bill Yan. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I like Jan. that. I like that. That's good. <laughs> I like the way you looked at that one. All right, so for me, number 10, I put Adley Rutschman. I think that's just a strong, strong baseball See, name, and it's always on the tip of our tongue. So, I mean. That is true. I, I refrain from adding Adley to this list just because I don't want to think of him as a good name. He, 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 shall be, he shall be more than his name. I agree. He should. Uh, number nine, uh, Cody Hacker. Okay, I, yeah. I, that's a good name, but I, I wish I could put him higher, but he's a pitcher. So mm. he's, he's not he's not going to be hacking very often. Um, number eight, I put Ryan Mountcastle. I think Mountcastle is just a very solid name. Number seven. Oh, I just forgot that he had prospect status. That's so funny. I you know I forgot about him too. I threw him in at the end. Um, number seven, a guy we just drafted works out perfect being drafted by Baltimore. And I'm not going to do this as well as Scott Van Pelt. Kobe Mayo. Kobe. Kobe. Ke- Kobe. Kobe Mayo. Mayo. Oh, for the O's? For the O's. He <laughs> plays on the Oreos. On the Oreos, Kobe. So I threw him at seven. Uh, number six, another guy we just drafted. Heston Kierstad is a very good name. I like him a lot. And uh, Jake, go ahead and give me your top five. Yeah, top five. Number five. Number five and number four are very similar. Um, and they are similar – in that they both relate to, uh, weirdly, something I mentioned already on this podcast, the Soviet Union. Um, at number five, I have Yeltsin Gudino. And at number four, I have Lenin Rodriguez. And the process of how uh, wide swaths of Latin Americans, uh, most like predominantly Cubans, ended up with names, with Russian names, mm-hmm. is fascinating history. And like has a lot to do with Cold War. And, uh, you know, Cuban communism, et cetera, et cetera. And like, I was a history major. I find all this shit really interesting. But like, <laughs> have you ever thought about how it's a little odd that like Vladimir Guerrero is named Vladimir and so is Vladimir Putin? Like that's notable, right? Like that's interesting and, and bizarre kind of I thing. I haven't thought about that until you mentioned it just now. But and like yeah, a lot of the, wild. a lot of the Cuban names, right? Like, you know, um, 
I'm trying to think of uh, like Unieski, right? Like that's Russian. Um, and so, but there is no more Russian than literally Yeltsin, who I believe is named after Boris Yeltsin, the first president of Russia after the fall of the Soviet Union, and Lenin Rodriguez, who I assume is named after Lenin. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> oh man, yeah, you 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 took a much smarter angle to this than I did. Yeah, I like it. There is, oh, I will say, there is a Stalin in the minors, not on the Orioles, but I, I can't remember his last name, but there is a guy named Stalin. His first name is Stalin. His first name is Stalin. Let me find it. Wow. Yeah, we're gonna gonna need some intel on that one. Okay, go ahead. Oh, here, wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me, let me, let me find, let me find Stalin. Not Stalin, Marte. Uh, Stalin, Stalin Gerson. There he is. Dominican player. See, like, yeah. I need a, I need to read a thing about how that happened because I understand like the Cuban how that happened like through the cold war and Cuban missile crisis, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I need to read more. Okay. Anyway, uh, that really is fascinating. Number three, York Salandi Alvarez. I mean, York Salandi is just incredible. The yeah. Dean of my high school was named Mrs. Landy. And so York Salandi is very funny to me. Uh, <laughs> two, I've got Jerusalem Asenia. Um, Curacao brings the heat every time. I mean, Absolutely. they really do. Number one, I've got Jay Flock. Okay. All right. You gave and him a little more respect than I did. There's a lot I love about Jay Flock. Tell me about him. I love that the first name is basically just a letter, right? I know Jay is a name people have, but like for this, what makes Jay Flock great is it's, it, it, it is short, right? Like there is something really fun about York Zelandi Alvarez and how that rolls off the tongue. But when you say that name, you feel like you're saying it for 25 minutes and it's interesting and different because you can just keep adding things to the name. Right. Right. Whereas Jay flaw gets it across right away. It's like how, you know, all these minor league team names, it's like, they're the, you know, the stinky poodles or they're like, they have like an adjective and then the thing, yeah. which is why I love the Rocky mountain vibes because it's just oh, yeah. like, it's hilarious, but it's like five letters and you know exactly what's up immediately. That's how I feel about Jay flaw. Um, two A's back to back to end a name. That's super weird, super rare. I just love that it's two guttural noises like J Fla. <laughs> uh, when Jordan and I used to see him play, we used to sing I'm so Fla, I'm Ska Ha <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and so he sticks out in my head for that. Um, if you add an Andy's J Flan, like there's to me, it's just a wild name. Like, yeah. have you ever met another Fla? Never in my life. I, he's the only flaw. Like he is, <laughs> he is King flaw. Though there are no other flaws. And like, maybe there are other flaws in Europe where I assume J flaw, the name is probably like Dutch or Belgian or something like that. Um, there's sack flaws, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> the of sacrifice course. flaw. <laughs> A long flaw ball. A long flaw ball on the left. <laughs> That'll make it four nothing Reds. <laughs> All right, so yeah, Jay Flaw. Jay Flaw is my guy. All right, I like that. I I love that we both took different angles to this. It it made for a good list. And maybe I'll maybe I'll crowdsource and put our names together and yeah. and have some fans vote and we'll we'll make a big top forty power rankings. Um, so number five, a guy you mentioned, I have Maverick Hanley. Yeah, it's it's a an ideal kind of like Blaine Knight. That's just a great athlete name. Uh, number four, if this was a list of male adult film stars, this guy would be easily number uh -huh. one. Dan Hammer. 
Dan Hammer. And remember Sammy? You remember Sammy Star? I do. There you go. Lots of fun. Um, so, and, and a pitcher with a, who throws a curveball named Dan Hammer. I mean, it, it doesn't get much better than that. Dan Hammer. It's so powerful, man. It's great. Uh, number three, and uh, number three is Pablo Falconet. I was a big oh. fan of that one. He, uh, I, and I was texting a couple friends about this before we got on. And, uh, one of my buddies, Nick, said that that sounds like an auto generated name from MLB 2K6. It does. Which hits the nail right on the head. Um, number two, Gunnar Henderson. I feel like if you have a kid and you name him Gunnar and he becomes an athlete, it's, that's like the apex of, of what you would expect. I think if you're going to name your kid Gunnar, going AR instead of ER is weak. That's fair. You know what I mean? I mean, just like jump all the way. If you're going to name after like a wet, like a weapon, like, yeah. Although well I assume really Gunner, Gunner is like very like Danish. Like it's like, that's like a Scandinavian thing. I think it's pretty yeah. sweet though. I, to, there's a, like a Vikingness to Gunner. Gunner. There is. Right. That's yeah. like, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. So I like, I like Gunnar Henderson a lot. I threw, and I like him as a prospect too, but I, I threw him at number two. And then number one, a catcher who might have the best name for a catcher that I've ever heard in my life. Jordan Cannon. Oh, yes. And he's another yes. guy. And, and I want to, I want to read through some of these names. The Orioles 2019 draft class was full of outstanding names. Michael yeah. Elias doing the important work. Exactly. And I don't your names. Yeah. So we got Adley Rutschman. We got Gunnar Henderson, uh, going down a little bit. Maverick Hanley was in that group. Johnny Riser, your boy Griffin McClarty. Yep. Uh, Jordan Cannon was there. Andrew Dosbach. Dashbach, yeah. We've got Dan Hammer. We've got a Mason Janvrin. There's uh Morgan McSweeney is a great name. Malachi Emond or Amond. Mm-hmm. Clayton McGinnis is another one who I almost put in my top twenty. Toby Welk is there. Shane Fontana. Sounds like he Fontana, belongs. Fontana, yeah. Anchorman. We've got Garrett Farmer, Dylan McCullough, Jonathan Pendergast. That was just a, a draft chock full of strong names for the Orioles. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know what screams good farm system other than just having the best names in baseball. Uh, but like I said, I love that we both took different angles to that. I'm yeah, going to try to put those together. And and because uh, you went with the more, you know, fun to say. I went with more like, you know, I felt like strong That's a baseball, baseball player. Yeah, exactly. I think we put together a good list there. Um, Well, that's I've covered everything I had in my notes. Was there anything else that uh, you wanted to dive into at all? Not really. I mean, I hope the Orioles are good soon. I was, 2020 was great. It was, it was the first time in a long time, uh, probably since 2014 where expectations were surpassed. Yeah. It was a was fun weird. season. It's, it's cool to see these guys come up and make an impact right away. Mount Castle, Dean Kramer, Keegan Aiken, both of whom could have made the, that top prospect list as well. Yes. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you can look at what the Orioles did this past season and not be encouraged by, you know, what's to come. Yeah, you feel good. Yeah. What is your – if you were to to place a bet right now on what year the Orioles get over the hump and legitimately make a run at a World Series, what year would you I do? think I, – so I, I have been saying 2024 is the World Series year. I think you'll – I think they'll be bad – like they'll be actually bad next year. They'll be like sneaky, not that bad in 2022. They'll be like a hot, sexy, under the radar pick that makes a wild card game in 2023, and then they'll win the World Series, sweeping through it in 2024. 
I love it. I think that's a solid timeline. That's 2024 awesome. World Series champs. Heard it here first. I'll see you at the parade. I'll be there. All right, man. Jake Mintz, Cespedes Family Barbecue. Thank you so much for joining me. It's always good talking to you and uh, wish you the best of luck. Stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, thank you. hope to see you at some minor league games this year. I, I hope to go to them. A pleasure <laughs> and a privilege, man. Thank you for having me. You bet. Well, there you have it. Episode five with Jake Mintz. Good conversation as always with him. Go ahead and check us out at Orioles Fan Probs on Twitter. We're going to go ahead and run some polls to let you guys help us decide the best names in the Orioles farm system. We're going to put our list together, do a little bracket style competition, run some polls there and, uh, and see what you guys think. So thank you as always for tuning in. Thanks to Tony and Derek at Utah Street Report for hosting the pod. You can follow me at RyeGuyBlake at Orioles Fan Probs with a Z. And we will see you guys next week.